Well, we are wrapping up today a three-week teaching series in the Psalms. And if you're coming in late to this and you haven't heard any of the other teachings, that's okay. They don't build off of each other or anything. But the theme of this teaching series is God is interested in you. Now remember, Mike's doing something funny here. Now remember that when, when someone asks you how you're doing, we often just say, oh, good or fine, because we don't know if they actually want to know how we're doing, and so we just keep it brief. But it's not that way with God. Or at least it shouldn't be that way because he is interested in you. And that's why we're going through the Psalms because the collection of authors have written to God exactly how they're feeling, whether they're happy, mad, angry, or sad. And today we're going to focus on what God has said about his church. Now, if you doze off a little bit and then you wake up and feel like you missed something, or if uh, someone's not here that would benefit from this message, you can access it online at orchardhillchurch.org in the media center. This message, the audio, and, and the ones from the other teachings in this series will be there. So like I said, we're talking about God and the church, and it is clear. Kelly already did a good job of, of making this clear in the kids' time, but we have to understand the definition of church before we go any farther. Because our minds have been trained to think that the church is a place. From a young age, you know, that this is the church, this is the steeple, open the doors and see all the people, right? We know that little rhyme. It should actually be, this is the church building, this is the steeple, open the doors and see the church, which is people. It has a few extra beats in there. Not sure if it's going to catch on or not, but that's more correct. And I had to train my brain in this a little bit better. And especially, you know, once you have kids and you realize all the, the, the flaws that you have and you're like, oh, I hope my kid doesn't do that. I mean, it's okay for me to do it, but I don't want my kids to. They've got to be better than me. But this was one of them. Like, I want my kids to understand they are the church. We are the church. And so we don't talk about going to church on Sunday morning. We talk that we're going to go to the church building to attend a worship service. That's what we try to do. It sounds kind of funny. It might, you might be like, oh, Ben, you're just being a little technicality there. But what we say matters and, and helps us think of, of how we identify with church. So it's crucial that we understand this. Now, there was a time in my life where, where I had more hair, but there was also a time in my life where I wanted to be a Lone Ranger Christian, where I had attended worship services, and I was just like... I was a part of the church, but I just wanted to, you know, be one of those that didn't have to go to a service regularly, didn't have to engage in a church community. You can just worship Jesus by yourself. And yeah, there are some circumstances where that's, that, that's just all people have. But, but we don't have, we, we have the opportunity to be in the church. It doesn't have to be like that. And I realized within less than a year of living that way that I was missing out on something. I was missing out on the encouragement. From a church community. I had volunteered for six years in the kids ministry before graduating high school. And I was missing out on the volunteers I served alongside who were older than me. Who showed interest in my life and taught me things. And then I was also missing out of what I learned. When I sat in that small group of elementary age students. And felt the tension of teaching God's word to them. And what they could teach me. See, this story isn't unique to me. I'm not the only one who's benefited from being a part of a church. I'm not the only one who's had the thought, well, what's it matter to show up on a Sunday morning? If I miss a day, I don't feel any different. I'm not the only one who has thought that maybe could be a Lone Ranger Christian. 
So why are we here? Why are we the church and what are we doing? If you're an elementary age student, you might be here. You think because mom or dad or mom and dad brought you here, made you wear a collared shirt, said that you were going to sit up straight and listen as you weren't getting dessert for lunch. So you're here doing that to get dessert for lunch. But I hope that you can see that Psalm 95 is, gives a deeper reason for why you're here. Or if you're a teenager, being at a worship service on a Sunday morning might be another social scene, an event that you show up to and participate in and be a part of. And, and that's okay, but there's a bigger, deeper reason for that. Or college-age students and young adults. I've, I've seen this, this age grow, be so on fire for Christ and want to live a life with purpose and have a job and serve God in, in their workforce. And, and I hope that Psalm 95 can help you with that perspective of being on fire with Christ. And then parents and grandparents of all ages, we show up for different reasons. One, just to gain some respite and hit the reset button. Because last week was crazy and Monday is coming tomorrow. It looks like the week is filled and we just need a breather to refresh. Or maybe it, we don't come for ourselves, but we, we bring our young ones here because we want them to hear a good Christian message. And, and those are good reasons, but it's not the reason. Or maybe you're in these seats this morning for the first time in a long time or the first time ever and a friend has brought you here. Well, secrets out. That friend wants you to see the benefits of being a part of the church community. And I hope that Psalm 95 can help you see what it's about. So, as you can tell, we're going to be reading Psalm 95 today. The page numbers are on the screen for the Bibles in the pews. You can bring your own Bible or use a phone Bible application. The words are also printed in the bulletin. And, and will be on the screen for your convenience, but, but remember, there is, is power in having God's Word and this privilege of having God's Word in our hand. Christians for thousands of years didn't have the privilege of holding God's Word in His hand. We've got the printing press now. So we have a privilege to hold God's Word in our hands and don't underestimate the power of doing that and reading it alongside someone sitting next to you. So Psalm 95, it's 11 verses. We're going to read all 11 of them. There's, it's broken down into three different sets, so we'll kind of take some timeouts in between here, but we're starting right at verse 1. Follow along as I read. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. Now... One of these words needs a definition. Uh, It's extol. How do I know it needs a definition? Because when I first read it, I thought like extol meant exterminate. And I'm like, I mean, I heard some of you sing, but no, I don't think we want to exterminate God. Extol actually means praising enthusiastically. What the worship band had up here with with these young men and women jumping and singing around, it's not a distraction. That's praising enthusiastically. And then we turned the corner and went from that really upbeat song titled Alive to 10,000 Reasons, a slower, deeper hymn. And that can be praising enthusiastically as well. And so that's what extol means. Now, the psalmist continues, For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In His hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. There's a couple things I want to highlight in this section of Scripture. First, 
the Lord is great. And then the psalmist says, like the great king above all gods, as if God, the God we worship, had to win the Super Bowl year after year to be great. No, it doesn't work that way. What the psalmist is saying is is that there is only one God, and He is the great God. And any other God claiming to be God has only been made up by people, and is false, and is wrong, and is not even real. There is only one God. And why do we worship God? Well, because of the greatness, His greatness, and we see it in nature all over the depths, the mountain peaks, and the sea. You know, we live in Iowa, Fields of opportunity, the welcome signs say when you drive into our state. We ask each other questions like, if you could only go to the mountains or the ocean, which one would you go to? Because mountains and oceans are big, and they're exciting. And when you're at the foot of a mountain, you just can't help but think, wow, God made this. Or you're at the, at the shore, and you think, wow, this is a deep, deep body of water that who knows how far it goes. And all of it is held within God's hand. We can't even begin to wrap our minds around it. And so in these first five verses, this section, if you, when you come to faith for the first time or you're a new believer, this is why. This is why we show up as the church to praise God just for His greatness alone. That's reason enough to praise. But it doesn't end there. It continues. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. You see, when you come to Christ and you experience the love of Jesus in a powerful way, it's a very personal thing, and you you begin to to see differently. You begin to think differently. Things that bothered you, didn't bother you before, bother you now. You live with a new purpose. It is a very intensely personal, personal thing and that's good because it does start with you but it does not end there notice the plurals in this verse us our we people being a christian has never ever been about one of the sheep of the flock it's never been about one person being better than another or becoming too big for their britches or big timing anyone no matter who's giving the message up front on a Sunday morning or leading us in worship or whatever, we are all a part of the flock. No one is greater. We are all valuable and we are the people of God. So yes, it is personal, a faith relationship, but there's also a dynamic that we are in this together. And when you realize that, I mean, then that sets the floodgates open for a new reason for why we're here. Now the psalm, right in the middle of verse 7, actually the last sentence, it turns. It turns to another level. It speaks to someone who, who hasn't heard the voice of Christ, who doesn't follow Jesus, but then it also speaks to a person who is following Christ and gives a very, very uncomfortable account of an Old Testament story that is relevant for your life today. Here's what the last sentence of verse 7 says. Today, if only you would hear His voice. See, today is an ever-present day. Yes, the text says today, and we might think of it as, okay, today on a Sunday. But really, today, right now, is the only thing you have been guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And so today, an ever-present day, if you read this verse tomorrow, don't think, oh, well, I had actually read that yesterday. 
This verse was only meaning for yesterday. No, it is for today. And if the Lord has given you air to breathe, He has given you ears to hear, and He is asking that you hear His voice today. If you haven't heard the voice of Jesus at all, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, this is the plea that today may you hear His voice. If you do follow Jesus and you are a Christian, you you are one of the flock. You don't need to turn to John 10, 27, but Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Hear the voice of God today. Renew that. Renew that connection with the Good Shepherd. And then, and then it, the psalmist continues, Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. Sorry, the scripture didn't come on the screen. I needed to click it again. Meribah and Massa. Where are, what are these places? They are places in the desert where the Israelites were. When they were complaining to Moses about the water, Meribah means quarreling, Massa means testing. And yes, if you're in the desert, you're probably going to want to drink a water. That's okay to ask for water. But if you consider the overall context of what the Israelites had gone through just days before this time where they were questioning Moses and questioning God, just days before they had been slaves in Egypt and God set them free. But then Pharaoh's army came to chase him down to either kill him or bring him back to be slaves. And the Israelites were pushed up against a dead end. The Red Sea, they had nowhere to go. It was the end. Until God did a miracle, splitting that sea, giving a dry path to walk across. And the Israelites made it across and the sea collapsed on Pharaoh's army and they were safe. The only reason they were even in that desert the first place was because the blessings of God. And now they've forgotten that and they're quarreling and they're fighting just because they feel like their needs haven't been met. And the psalmist continues, For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said they are people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. That last sentence is a scary one. Seems harsh. That, that God's followers, the Israelites, in that time where they questioned God and who He was, it cost them the promised land. They did not see the promised land, that goodness that God had for them because their hearts went astray. What part of Psalm 95 hits you today? What step do you need to take? Are you having a hard time in your life? Do you need to remember the goodness of the Lord even though you just want that drink of water to have your needs met? Hear the Lord's voice. Do you need to go back and capture that extol type of worship, that enthusiastic praise from your early days as a believer and just worship God for His greatness? Hear that voice. Take that step. You can have that enthusiastic praise anywhere you are. It does not have to be in this room. This is just a gathering place. You are the church wherever you go. Do you need to take a step outside of your own personal faith and join in with the flock? 
I know now's a great time to, to reconsider what this school year could be, look like for your family. What opportunities you're going to say yes to. What opportunities you're going to say no to. Which ones are going to rise to the top. We have many ministries that you can get involved in and serve in and using your talents and skills and gifts and abilities. It doesn't necessarily have to be leading a small group of elementary or junior high or high school students. It may be saying yes to that women's conference that's coming up. Or the next time we have a men's conference or, or a small group opportunity. Where do you need to hear that voice and take a step out and join in with the flock and be about the we and the people? And if you don't think you need to take a step, if you're just like, man, I, I'm, not, I'm not going anywhere. I've got one, one story in closing for you to consider. You see, there was a, a battleship. The captain of the battleship, one foggy night at sea, could tell that he was on collision course with another ship. So he radioed over simply saying, advise you to change course 20 degrees to avoid collision. Well, the gentleman's voice came over on the other radio and simply said, advise you to change course 20 degrees to avoid collision. Well, the captain, he, he was not amused by this. He said, I am the ship's captain. Advise you to change course 20 degrees to avoid collision. Noticing that he had given his title, the other gentleman shares his title. I am a seaman, second class advise you to change course 20 degrees to avoid collision. Oh, the captain was furious. He knew he was losing out on time and a collision was coming and he gave direct orders. This is a battleship. Change course immediately. The man on the other radio said back, I am a lighthouse. Do not be stubborn in a time where you need to change course. Seek the voice of the Lord and follow. And when we do, it, it will be exciting to be a part of what God has in store. Let me say a prayer. Heavenly Father, you are a good, amazing, awesome God. Knowing that you hold the mountains and the sea in your hands, it's incredible and worthy of our praise. Thank you that you are the great shepherd and that we are your flock. Help us to hear your voice amongst all the other calamity around us. Help us to to have the courage to take that step that you've placed on our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's children said, Amen.